0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers renew acquaintances this weekend with an old enemy, the Seattle Seahawks. How is it possible to dislike a team this much, even when the Packers barely see them? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. Packers take on the Seahawks this weekend, and they'll be doing it without Odell Beckham Jr., Look, before I guess we dive into the Seahawks, if Odell Beckham Jr. wanted to be in Green Bay, he'd be in Green Bay. You're going to see stuff about um, contract stuff and the appeal of the city and whatnot, and I'm sure that all plays a factor. But at the end of the day, you want to play for the Rams, and uh, that's why he's playing for the Rams and not for the Packers. And there are some other things that you could dive into a little bit deeper there, and I'm sympathetic to some of them. Uh, you see a little bit of fan outcry whenever something like this happens, when it feels like the Packers got played a little bit, and I get that. I I understand people's well, I guess frustration is is how you would put it. Uh, it always feels like the Packers are a day late and a dollar short in situations like this. It seems like the Rams push really hard to get them, and you know, notwithstanding whether or not it was a good idea. um, it does seem like the Packers are always a little bit less aggressive than other teams in this, these scenarios. So if that frustrates you, I get it. And um, I, I don't know if that's exactly what happened here, if the Packers could have done anything to, to make this situation play out differently. But if you're a little bit frustrated by it, I'd just say that I get it. Um, that doesn't mean it, it's it's right or, or that that viewpoint is correct. or Again, that the, anything could have happened to make it different. But if you're frustrated by it, I think that's fair. But the Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks. Revulsion is a weird kind of feeling, isn't it? Especially when it comes to a professional sports team. It's kind of silly, really, if you think about it at all. It's silly. Um I I have that feeling a lot for like the Minnesota Vikings. Of the Packers' immediate rivals, I think the Vikings are the ones that really get to me, and I think that's because I, I spent a few years living in Minnesota. I've had some friends growing up who were just insufferable Vikings fans. Just the worst. The unearned arrogance of the Vikings fans in my life has just always turned me off. That putrid shade of purple just galling. The Minnesota Vikings just bring out feelings in me that make me feel a little bit silly. Because getting that worked up over a sports team especially a sports team like you're not even rooting for. It's a team you're rooting against, I guess. Feels weird. And yet I have a lot of those same feelings for the Seattle Seahawks. Looking back over the past decade or so, I think it's easy to see why. If you just felt that way over the 2014 NFC Championship game, I think it'd be understandable. But then you've got the Fail Mary game on top of it. And you've got Russell Wilson just big and being a big old cheesy weirdo. Got Pete Carroll trying to wear out a piece of gum on the sidelines. Just it gets under your skin a little bit. If the Packers coasted as much off that 2010 Super Bowl as the as the Legion of Boom did off their one Super Bowl, too. I think you know there'd be more teams with similar feelings about the Packers. But here you have the Seahawks, who always seem like again that unearned arrogance. And I realize that it's probably a little bit weird. And this is, I suppose, a safe crowd to say it, too. It's a little bit weird to say unearned arrogance. As a Packers fan, who are we to determine what is earned and isn't earned? But, you know, from the outside looking in, it feels like maybe the Seahawks, historically, don't have all that much to brag about. And yet you've got the 12s in Seattle who are just kind of going around acting like they're twelve. So the Seahawks always get to me a little bit. Are they going to get to the Packers on the football field this year, though? That is the real question. And turning our attention to the 2021 Seahawks, not the 2012 Fail Mary Seahawks, not the 2014 team that knocked the Packers out of the playoffs, what are the Seahawks in 2021? Right now, it looks like they're teetering on the brink of destruction at least for this season. They are 3-5 and five dead last in the NFC West, and yeah, there is a lot of season left. But that is a pretty significant hole to be in, in a division where the Rams are playing and playing as well as they are. They're not going to win the NFC West, and if they're counting on wild card spots, they have some serious work to do. So how'd they get to this point? Well, a big part of it is Russell Wilson's been injured for a while. But another big part of it is they haven't fared all that well in close games. So far this year, they're 1-3 one in one-score games. And really, other than blowing people out, they're not coming up with that many wins. Their expected win-loss record is 4.3 and 3.7 so far this year. So at 3-5, and five, they are significantly underachieving. It's not great in Seattle so far this year. What about the uh, Seahawks offense versus the Packers defense, though? Diving beyond the conceptual of this team to the real. Starting with the quarterback, they've got Russell Wilson, the cheesiest man alive. Back in the lineup this week after several weeks out with a finger injury, made himself a comeback video and everything. Aren't you proud of Russell Wilson? He was on a pretty good tear before his injury, completing 72% of his passes for about 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception, cruising right along. And a big reason he's been able to cruise along so far this season is because the Seahawks are unusually strong at wide receiver. They're strong but not deep, but their strength is as good as anybody. Probably have a case as the best wide receiver duo in the league. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have almost identical stat lines but are very different at pl- as players. Lockett, 5'10", 182 pounds, has posted 41 catches for 579 yards and three touchdowns so so far this year. He is more of just a deep threat, straight down the field type guy. His average depth of target so far this year is 11.6 yards, and he's not doing a whole lot with the ball after the catch, just four yards after every time he catches the ball. DK Metcalf, meanwhile, is a towering pillar of muscle at 6'4", 235 pounds. He is uh, caught 39 passes for 580 yards and 8 touchdowns so far this year, and he has been attacking more of the intermediate routes and generating a lot of yards after the catch. 11.7 yards from the line of scrimmage is his average depth of target on the year. He's averaging 5.5 yards after the catch every time he gets his hands on the ball. There's a flip side to this, though. Though the Seahawks are good when they pass the ball, they are vulnerable on the offensive line. They're one of the worst pass-protecting offensive lines in the game so far this year. They are 26th, according to Football Outsiders, by adjusted sack rate. So, though the Seahawks can be effective when they pass the ball, though they've got some good guys to throw to and a good trigger man and doing it in Russell Wilson, protection is the big problem there. And uh, if you can't protect your quarterback, as the Packers learned firsthand last Sunday, it doesn't matter who it is back there, it's, uh, it's going to be a problem. How about when the Packers are on offense, taking on the Seahawks' defense? Are they the Legion of Boom? No. But they are fairly strong at points. This relevant in particular to the Packers. The Seahawks are relatively strong against the run. 11th best by DVOA so far this season. But for as good as they are against the run, they are equally weak against the pass. They are 24th in the league by DVOA against the pass. Because everybody throws on them. Yeah, everybody. They've given up four 300-yard games to opposing passers so far this season. It hasn't been great for the Seahawks on defense. Are there any redeeming factors, any redeeming qualities up front? Well, I would start with Al Woods, their 6 foot 4, 330 pound pocket pusher. Big dude up front pushing people around. Just one sack and three quarterback hits on the year so far. But he will move the pocket, and he does make things easier for other pass rushers. Now, we spend a little bit of time in every conventional preview that we do talking about a couple of our our stats that we track. Production ratio and ball hawks. Well, not much to write home about either spot here because the Seahawks are not getting to the quarterback, and they're not getting their hands on the football. There's only one guy in production ratio higher than a .5 right now, and that is Daryl Taylor. So far, he has four sacks this year, and uh, with a couple tackles for loss in there, he has a production ratio of 1.0 exactly. However, Taylor is hurt and seems unlikely to play on Sunday. In Ballhawks, meanwhile, Quadre Diggs, one of their safeties, is the only player with more than five so far this year. He's got eight, which is a good figure, but if nobody else is making plays with you, it's kind of just an outlier. The Seahawks have an outlier situation here. By and large, they don't make a whole lot of plays on the football. Even the great Bobby Wagner only has three ball hawks so far this year. Rewinding the clock to the last time the Packers and Seahawks played, we get to go back to the 2019 playoffs. Yes, Matt LaFleur's first year at at the helm as the Packers' head coach featured a uh, playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks. The Packers ultimately came out victorious 28 two twenty three but the Seahawks boy, did the Seahawks make it interesting down the stretch, in fact, they were driving to take the lead at one point uh, before the packers' defense really clamped down on Russell Wilson, Preston Smith, with a cleanup sack with just over three minutes to go, sealed it for the packers uh, but boy, did things get a little bit interesting there for a while, but there were plenty of interesting. And very good performances for the Packers as well. Devontae Adams, eight catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns in this one. Jimmy Graham, in his second-to-last game with the Packers, uh, had a pretty solid outing. Three catches, 49 yards, including a key late third-down conversion. That is still a little bit controversial among uh, some, some circles of uh, Seahawks fans. But, uh, hey, this doesn't begin to move the karmic needle in the calls the Seahawks have gotten in the, um, in the Packers-Seahawks rivalry. Uh, but beyond Adams and Graham, it was pretty much nobody uh, doing any damage through the air. Geronimo Allison had one catch for 11 yards. He is the only other player other than Adams and Graham to have double-digit receiving yards in this game. Aaron Jones, one catch, four yards. Jace Sternberger, one catch, two yards. Marquez Valdes-Scantling, completing his fade into oblivion with one catch for eight yards, and Jamal Williams, one catch for nine yards in this game. But a solid effort by the Packers' defense as Zadarius Smith came up with two sacks, Preston Smith came up with two sacks, Kenny Clark got a sack. Just a solid, solid effort from the Packers' defense, putting the Seahawks away in the playoffs a couple of years back now. Seems like a very, very distant memory. What about this game, though? Are the Packers going to win? Are they going to lose? what is going to happen. I think this is a game the Packers can and should win regardless of who plays quarterback for them on Sunday. Assuming that Aaron Rodgers negotiates his ramp-up period and gets cleared to play on Sunday, there's a chance this one could be a laugher. Because if the Packers play their normal offense, they might be able to put up 40 in this game. Devontae Adams should be able to do pretty much whatever he wants against the secondary. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is probably due for a couple of big plays as they continue to work him back. Alan Lazard should be able to do what he does. Basically, the Packers should be able to move the ball more or less at will through the air, assuming they can pass protect. And with Seattle's most productive pass rusher out, or at the very least, just coming back for this game, there's a good chance there's not going to be a lot of pressure there either. If Jordan Love is the starter, I still think the Packers win because I think Matt LaFleur has learned enough that he's really going to put Love into a much better spot for this game. He's going to have a much better game plan. I would anticipate if he is the starter, it's going to be a lot more short stuff than it was for um, the Packers last week. It really wasn't until the fourth quarter that um, the Packers regularly went with anything resembling a short game. If indeed it is love on Sunday, I would expect to be that. I would expect that to be the mo pretty much from the word go. just work the way, work the ball down the field, short passes, quick passes, get the ball out of Jordan Love's hands quickly, so the opponents don't have a chance to blitz as regularly. That's what I would do if I was going to be without Aaron Rodgers again. If I do have Aaron Rodgers back, I would just go right back to him doing as as many Aaron Rodgers things as he possibly can. As far as the polls go this week, 91.4% of voters believe the Packers are going to get a win on Sunday. That's not the highest figure we've seen so far this year, but pretty solid number and I would tend to agree with them. I believe the Packers are going to win and again, there's a good chance that it could be a pretty handy win for the Packers. Elsewhere in the in the polling numbers, some interesting numbers from uh, Aaron Rodgers, Maurice Strayton, and Joe Barry. Amidst the fallout of the last week and a half or so, uh, Aaron Rodgers has taken a bit of of a hit as well. He's just got a 65% approval rating heading into this week's game. Maurice Drayton, though, has it much worse. The special teams coordinator has seen his approval rating drop to zero for the first time this year. He started pretty low to begin with. But this is the first time since we've really gotten to know Maurice Trayton a little bit that he has hit zero uh, in terms of his approval rating. And really, I can't blame anybody there. Uh, It hasn't been pretty on the Packers special teams of late. Uh, I would understand if you completely disapprove of him as well. Finally, Joe Barry seems to be getting some recognition from Packers fans. His approval rating all the way up to 94.9%. Unbelievably positive for Joe Barry, considering where he started this season. I think it's going to be a big reason. Uh, that is, Joe Barry is going to be a big reason. He and his defense, uh, that the the Packers come out victorious on Sunday. They've got the the people to make this happen. Uh, even if Lockett and Metcalf do get open from time to time, the Packers should be getting enough pressure on Wilson that he's unable to find them consistently. And even if they do catch the ball, the Packers have been quite sure tacklers so far this year, and uh, it's unlikely they're going to be able to do much work in terms of yards after the catch. If you're like a DK Metcalf or somebody, somebody else who is schemed open in such a way that they uh, end up running down the field. Agree? Disagree? What are your thoughts? Let me know wherever you happen to be listening to this episode. Uh, find us on Twitter at the Powersweep at J O N M E E R D I N K. Uh, Give me a shout uh, if you have an idea how this game is going to go. Uh, In the meantime, appreciate you listening in. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, i appreciate it even more if you would share it with someone you think is going to enjoy it just as much as you will. That helps more people find the show. It gets more people involved in this conversation, you, I, and everybody else is having around the Green Bay Packers, which is great because that's going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.